Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am sitting here with the lovely Ginny Owens. And if you are not familiar, I'll share a few of her accolades. Ginny is a singer, a songwriter. She's received three Dove Awards, including New Artist of the Year. Uh, But most importantly, right now we are talking about her new book, Singing in the Dark, Finding Hope in the Songs of Scripture. And I just want to say now, in case I forget to mention it later, um, this is a book that you probably are not aware that you need. Um, Ginny is a beautiful um, song writer. So she writes such beautiful lyrics. And it makes sense that that would translate to um, it would translate to writing a book. And so it's a beautifully written book as she unpacks really these songs um, in scripture that Sometimes we, we may actually have been unaware of that they, um, that people were choosing to sing in these hard places. So I've really loved going through her book. We're going to unpack it a little bit in this conversation. Um, and I also want to share, this is definitely a fangirl moment for me. Um, I get to chat with a lot of really cool people um, in this podcast, but Ginny's songs have deeply impacted me for many years, especially in some of my really formative years. Uh, One of her songs, Free, um, really I felt like gave my heart permission to to be me in some of those late teen years. And I was playing it for my four-year-old this morning and she said, mom, what song is this? I said, it's free. And she goes, oh, like free, uh, like you're, what did she say? I wrote it down, free, like you're free from your cage. Yes, that is exactly how it is in this relationship with Jesus. So Ginny, thank you for being on Ready to Thrive. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. And what have I missed? What have I missed in your introduction? What else would you want to include that I haven't included? You know, you did a great job. You you did a fabulous job. I've I've been doing this for a long time. So, you know, over over time, my music has probably evolved a bit, but uh, still very much the same message and, you know, wanting to share hope and freedom and the idea of overcoming, um, you know, overcoming in a way that just, just that we can always know that God is there with us and giving us confidence and giving us his peace. And so that's, that's what the songs are about. That's what the new book is about. And yeah, but, but you did a fabulous job. Awesome. Well, I want to go back. I love that you shared that um, that word overcoming. Let's just go back to the very first thing that you really had to overcome in your life. Yeah. Well, the first thing <laughs> that I remember overcoming uh, was when I was really a little kid. Uh, when I was three years old, I had I was born with pretty uh, 
poor eye conditions. I could not see very well, but I could see well enough to learn my colors and learn people that I loved. And um, apparently my favorite color was purple. And then when I was three, I went in for a surgery that the doctors hoped would actually stabilize my vision, but instead it took it all away. So uh, I came out of that, of that hospital, not being able to see at all. And um, the beautiful thing was just by God's grace and providence, my parents seemed prepared for that in some way. And so they, you know, kind of said, Hey, go back out and play with the neighbor kids and, you know, do the things that you love to do. So I did, I went and climbed trees and rode my bike and really didn't know that I was you know, different in any way until I got to school, which is usually where that happens. So, um, so yeah, that was probably the first, you know, great hurdle of life. Uh, and yet it took a while for me to really understand uh, what, what that would mean just throughout the course of my life. Um, I was so inspired as you were sharing that story. And even just, um, I think even just your parents' response in that go be a kid, mm -hmm. right? Because it's it's easy, especially I think in today's um, culture, there really is a um, there's a strong desire to protect and keep safe. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, he, thinking about you riding your bike, ripping down the neighborhood, um, it does remind me of my pretty wild four year old, always <laughs> always ripping down the neighborhood. She runs in the front door, and I'm like, where? Like just just so you know like four-year-olds don't just take off on their own yeah um but I love that they they gave you that gift um of childhood and you're right it is kind of this I was thinking about this phrase I've heard a woman named Joe Saxton share before that is um you know who were you before the world told you um who you were yes. right it's almost that idea of there's such a freedom that comes in in childhood and then it gets it gets a bit more complicated. Um, yes. Yeah. It definitely yeah. does. I love that phrase. That's that's really good. I'm, I might have to start using that. But yeah. it is. It's true. The world kind of tells us who who we are, and you know we can choose to listen to all kinds of different voices about that. And so um, so yeah, I definitely have had those experiences of uh, being told who I who I was and believing it. Uh, unfortunately, you know, and then well, having to you... learn to unbelieve it. Yeah. Can you unpack one of those stories? Because I thought it was really powerful, the story you shared um, of wanting to pursue this dream mm -hmm. of becoming a musician and then kind of having that dream squashed by a professor. So can you share that with us? Yes. Um, I, well, so I grew up writing songs. I mean, I really loved to do that, but I was very shy. So even though I was always involved in our, our choir and band programs at school, you know, when it was my turn to sing, there was always nerves and just shaky voice. And I just felt like I sounded like Minnie Mouse. And oh, I, though I love Minnie Mouse, I didn't want to sound like her. And so there was just always, you know, kind of this agony of, I love this, you know, I love music. I love creating, but it just never turns out right. And of course, as a songwriter, you always feel on some level misunderstood. So anytime I would think to play a song for people, you know, I always felt like they didn't quite get it. And so be that as it may, I went to college and um, decided to major in music education and also in vocal performance. And I was really hoping that, you know, maybe I would, you know, get to write some songs for, uh, for church or things like that. And then maybe I would be a high school choir director. That was 
kind of my, my goal. And, you know, I'd maybe be the cool, cool teacher that taught my students, you know, how to sing background parts and how to write chord charts and things like that. And, um, right before my senior year, right at the end of my junior year, I had auditioned yet again for one of our ensembles at the school where I attended, which was Belmont university in Nashville. And yet again, I did not make uh, the ensemble. And I remember the, uh, the, the teacher, the professor who auditioned us just said, you know, Jenny, your voice is just weak. I don't see you ever being able to do anything with it. And that was of course, very painful. Um, and, and I wrote quite a few songs out of that, uh, out of that experience. So I, I guess it was good that she said it, but I think the the blessing of it was that it really got me to thinking about what I was doing. And I dropped my performance major and I finished my, uh, my music education choral conducting major. So what that meant was that I got out of school in four years instead of five. Um, so spent a lot less money and I, I, um, actually then ended up, uh, the beginning of my senior year in, in, you know, like 23 hours of general ed classes. Cause you put those off usually as a music major. So it was, you know, Western Civ and biology. And I was writing songs in those classes that would end up being my first album. And I had no idea. So I think the gift was it, it really, um, kind of catapulted me into having to trust God and just going, okay, Lord, you know, if, if my voice really can't be used, then help me to move on happily to something else. But, you know, if you want to do something with this dream, then I'm just going to leave it for you to do that. And so that was, uh, I'm not even sure I thought of it as much of a faith move, you know, as I was entering my senior year, but, but it definitely was. And, and the Lord had different plans that I could have never imagined. Well, I love the story both. Um, I mean, I don't love the, I don't love the rejection piece from the prof, but in some ways, I think that's so relatable. Mm-hmm. Like we all have those moments where it's like, oh, I, I guess this thing I was working towards that I felt in my heart, I guess that's not it. Okay. And trying to kind of wrestle through that. And then I love that even in that place where you're really having to go through these hoops and go through the mundane classes, you're like, I... I don't want to be here right now. Mm -hmm. This is just a lot of work. This isn't Mm life-giving. Yet you also, that's where these songs poured out of you in the quiet, like dark place. Nobody is, you're not on a stage at this point. Like you're just writing these songs Mm -hmm. that later on become that first album. Mm -hmm. It just to me was the epitome of this like, God redeems all things, beauty from ashes, you know, like it just, that was such a powerful story. Um, And so I think anybody right now who's listening, who feels like, God, I thought you were calling me to this dream. I thought, you know, you've Mm -hmm. put this thing in me that um, this isn't the end of the story and don't, don't give up. I think that's part of the discernment piece is really knowing like, okay, um, God, do you want me to continue moving forward in this thing? Because mm-hmm. sometimes there are things that we're pushing forward in that God's like, like I know for myself when I was 10, I really thought that I was going to have a singing career. Mm-hmm. And I recorded myself in a little boom box um, and I played it back. And it was kind of like this. There's a classic moment with Phoebe and friends oh, yes. where she she has this uh, music video and she's like, wow, I sound very different. And she doesn't realize that they've used someone else's voice. And so I had this moment where I was like, huh, like I can't, 
can't really tell if that's good or terrible. Turns out it was the latter. <laughs> um, so for me, it actually wouldn't make sense, you know, pursuing that. That's kind of more of a, you know, discerning between the two. But the other thing you said there is really that you you surrendered and ultimately God's mm-hmm. the one who makes it happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think also it's, you know, the idea of us moving forward one step at a time, you know, we kind of surrender is, is not a one-time thing, right? It's something that we kind of have to continue to do. And I think as we do, he, he provides the next step. And so sometimes, um, like when I talk about that story in the book, I talk about being kind of on a plotting path and just the idea of, you know, we don't really always know what's ahead, but we do the next thing, even if there aren't accolades for it, even if there's not assurance that it's totally the right thing, you know, there might be those times of kind of being in the dark when we're just kind of walking through what feels mundane, uh, trying to kind of accomplish the next task. But we can, all, especially as we are inviting God in and listening to him, we can know and trust that he definitely is um, is working and is leading us to something else. So it's almost that, that, ver- that thing that's very challenging for us with of the idea of moving forward when there's not really affirmation from others around us, but just doing it anyway, if that's what we feel like God has laid on our hearts to do. So good. Uh, I recently had a woman named Jennifer Dukesley on the show um, and her book Growing Slow. And she talks about that idea of really things kind of it is kind of that next right thing. And and in a world of everybody seems to be this instant success overnight. And we see we see people's highlight reels on social media and things where it's like, oh, they just stumbled out of bed one day and and things were so successful. We just don't often get the behind the scenes look at the mundane or the right like you think about um all the years that you spent practicing the piano mm-hmm. and and learning chords and things that weren't really fun or um you know it, that wasn't recording that wasn't recording an album that was really honing your craft mm-hmm. and um i love that you have this moment where you share about how really you can get up on any stage right now and sing in almost any circumstance because you've done the mundane work, but also walked through a lot of really um, hard situations and times where things didn't go well, Right, that you really learn from that. So I think um, that's part of the process as well. Absolutely. It's part of the process for all of us, for sure. Now, how did you go from that place of being in the classroom, writing these songs to yourself and then going from there to recording an album? Well, uh, what felt like very slowly in my mind, but it actually probably happened very quickly uh, in, in real world time. So after college, I started looking for a job as a teacher and I had quite high hopes for that. But um, being that I could not see, I quickly found that administrators did not have as much confidence in my abilities as I had in them. So there were a lot of awkward meetings, awkward interviews where, you know, someone would be looking forward to us meeting and I would go in and it would just be a completely different story. And they would be so awkward. The tension was palpable. They weren't sure what to ask. And and usually they would turn me down with odd reasons like, oh, you're not a member of this piano teacher's guild or something like that. And so, 
you know, a couple of months into that, I, I was like, well, I know God is really teaching me perseverance and, you know, he's developing my character. But then, you know, after a while, I was just really frustrated, really discouraged and di just didn't know what God was doing, you know. And so it was in that time that he really, you know, began to even uh, cultivate more songs in me and more just of me learning that debt moment by moment surrender that needed to happen. And so I got asked to sing at church during that season, uh, just was very, it felt very random, uh, cause it wasn't something that I usually got asked to do, but it was for a, um, a service for our, our, my, my college where I had gone. And so I, I sang the offertory and then there was a guy in the congregation who, uh, worked in music. He was an audio engineer. And he said, have you ever thought about, um, you know, pursuing this for a living? And I said, well, kind of, but I don't know that I'm good enough. And, you know, I've been told my songs are a little quirky and it might not work. And he said, well, okay, that could be true, but I think we should try to record some of them and see what happens. So to make a long story short, he and I worked together, recorded some songs. He passed those around and every few months he'd call me and say, Hey, still, still nothing yet, but keep holding on. And eventually he reached out and said, Hey, there's a music publisher in town that wants to meet with you. And I met with Michael, uh, who's still a dear friend. And we ended up working together for eight years. And he took me over to Michael W. Smith and who ended up signing me to his label. And so it all went very fast. I, I could have never seen it coming, never imagined that it would happen like that. But, but that was kind of how I moved. I always tell people I'm the one person in Nashville that was, you know, really excited about getting a, a choral directing job and instead got a record deal. So it was a pretty strange thing. <laughs> oh, there, honestly, there's so much in that story, both from the, you know, I think really being faithful and saying, okay, God, like this is where you have me. I'm going to try and do my best. I'm going to get this job. And yet bumping up against discouragement again and again. And that, again, that's so relatable when we can feel like sometimes we're like, God, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to do the things you've called me to and it's not working out. So what what's wrong here? Like is it situation? Is it me? And I know that you're sharing that story quickly, but I know that is actually deeply, deeply discouraging. And I I can relate. I've had many of those moments even in the last few years where I felt like, God, I'm so I'm so confused. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm being faithful. I feel like I'm doing the thing. And yet what's going on? And so again, it's that sort of, we look back in hindsight and we see, okay, there's, I mean, I always believe there's something God's trying to build in us. Like you even said, perseverance and character. Mm -hmm. um, and then even that surrender where you're just, you're singing at the front. Like these, these God stories, you cannot make up yourself where somebody happens to be there, right? Like it's a, it's a coincidence that someone, a music engineer is in the room at Absolutely. that time. And, yes. and so really the, the God stories, those are the ones that give you kind of those Holy Spirit goosebumps where you're like, I couldn't have done this. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, I think there is a difference between, and we see that even in the life of Abraham, right? Where it's like, there's the dream and even the dream that God's given us. And we can kind of push through on our own because we're like, I'm, I'm tired of waiting. Yeah. I know you're calling me to this. And so really it is in that place of, I would say, closeness with God where we say, is this, are you wanting me to push forward in this or yes. continue to wait for you yeah. in your timing? Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I do think 
for a lot of us. I mean, for me, certainly, I didn't know if I was called to music. I mean, people will say a lot, well, how did you, you know, when did you realize you were called to music? And I was like, well, I, I really didn't. I mean, I loved music, but I, I knew that it might not be practical. I had been taught that, you know, that this, this might not be, this might just be a fun kind of dream idea. And you, you may not have the voice for it or the songs for it, or it may not be God's plan. And so I do think just continuing to go to him in our uncertainty, whatever that uncertainty is, and kind of laying that before him. And, you know, just just asking him what the next step is. I think that's always so important. So I love that your book is called Singing in the Dark because we all have these seasons uh, that feel extra heavy and broken and dark. And um, and sometimes they really catch us off guard. I remember one season I had years ago where I I just felt really crushed by it. Like I would say, I was like, this season is, it fully was taking me out. Um, whereas more recently I've had some harder, darker seasons that I think I've, I've learned over the years. Okay, I can actually, in this moment, I can choose praise, right? We talk about that like sacrifice of praise and what does that look like? And so what was that process for you of really, walking through your life, learning to um, choose praise out of those places of disappointment and discouragement? Like, how did that process come along for you? Very, very slowly. Um, I think it's, you know, there have been lots of seasons when I haven't chosen praise. And honestly, one of the things that's really helped me to choose praise is as I've learned more and more about scripture and more of scripture, I think in seeing how God worked in in people's lives who really are not that different than ours, although, you know, maybe they were, you know, lived several thousand years ago, but their pain, their longing to belong, their longing for peace in the midst of difficult times, all of these things we can definitely relate to. So to see how he worked in their lives for his, you know, for his glory and to, you know, bring his bigger picture, um, story to, to bear in the world, but then also he's, he's doing wonderful things of, of working in their hearts and teaching them to trust him. So I think a lot of times as I have reflected on scripture, I can even kind of see where I am in life and be like, Oh, you know, I can relate to this. I see how I am like this, this person in the Bible. I see how I can resonate with their pain and I see how God spoke to them in their pain and how he's speaking to me as well. So I think you know, it's partly just going through life and learning, you know, that either I'm going to be bitter or I'm going to make a choice to, to praise and to trust God. Um, and then it's also looking at, you know, my life situations through the lens of scripture and saying, what do I learn here about, you know, about praising? And, you know, one of the things that's so beautiful about praise in the Bible is it's never done by people who haven't experienced deep pain. I mean, it always comes from a true place of, you know, like when you think of the psalmists, I mean, they'd all experienced, you know, famine and war and pestilence and, you know, unrest. So it's not, you know, ever fluffy. <laughs> and so when we hear them praising, we know it is truly from the heart. And a lot of times what we hear is they are speaking to their own souls about praising. They're, they're telling themselves to praise, um, even, even when good things haven't happened yet, 
So I love that. And I think that's a call to us to do that same thing that we praise, you know, in the moment. Um, one of the things I, I like to do is write down uh, at the end of the day that the things that I can remember from the day that, that God has really, you know, shown himself to me in, you know, the ways that he's um, revealed his faithfulness and just answered prayer. And what's interesting is as you start to write those things down, that list usually grows and it's usually very natural to find new ways to, to praise as you, as you sit and think about the day. So I think there's really practical help for us in the Bible on how to do that. Like praise, you know, praise usually, sadly, praise often doesn't come from when things are good because when things are good, we, right. We forget we're busy. We're doing our thing. Uh, we've hit our stride, but it's really when we're going through the challenges and, and we have to really look to see where God is and find him and call on him. I think that's when he really uh, inspires the deepest praise in us or when he can. Well, that's so good. And I love that you unpack that even in um, the life of Leah. And I've always found that one section fascinating where um, Leah um, starts having kids and they have these names that really go from this place of, like you said, like bitterness, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's actually, it makes sense. And it's, it's easier for our hard times to make us bitter. Yes. It's really hard. And it's, I think it's part of that process that this is natural. It, it makes sense that disappointment would do things to our heart, both to like harden it and just kind of twist things. But it's really that time of, I would say, being honest with God and pouring those things out to God, which you're right, starts off sometimes as lament. Yes. And then has that ability to turn into praise. And so you talk about that. Um, I love that you um, just share about that that process with her. Yeah. I, the, the story of Leah is so interesting because um, a lot of times somebody was telling me the other day, they said, uh, I usually have liked Rachel better, you know, cause she's the pretty one and we all want to be the pretty one. And we feel sorry for Rachel cause she can't have kids. And yet what we know about this story is that it is the picture of, first of all, a very vulnerable person. I mean, in a society where women do not have much say, or basically any say in their lives, which is incredibly sad. And so, you know, Leah, Leah's dad, Leah and Rachel's dad marries her off to a man who loves her sister. I mean, how terrible would that be? And, and she can't get out of those circumstances. That is where she is stuck. But, and even though, thank goodness, most of us don't live in that type of circumstance, we certainly have circumstances where we feel stuck. And we also have, I would say, uh, places where we feel like, um, if God would just fix this thing, like if he would just fix my life in this area, you know, cause one of the things that we see with Leah is that she is so hyper-focused on getting her husband to love her, that every gift that God gives her is, is just a means to that end for Leah. So every, every time she gets a child and, and we hear, you know, in scripture that, that God saw her and gave her you know, this next son. And so every time that happens, she kind of sings a song of, oh, great. Thanks, God. Now my husband's really going to love me. And we do that same thing. It's like, okay, God, you've given me this next tool in my toolbox so that I can thrive and do the next thing. And it's going to be great. And, um, so that is, uh, you know, that's kind of how we live. But then finally 
you know, when, with the birth of Judah, she says, okay, I will praise, I will praise the Lord. And it's, um, it's like, finally, I will look to the one who has given me what I need to survive and who loves me most. I mean, the God of the universe loved her most and loves us the most. And so when that becomes the center, uh, then we can deal with these very, very difficult, uh, circumstances that we can't change in a whole new way, I think. Yeah, that's so good. I think we easily can have this notion that um, once once this happens, mm-hmm. then then I will be satisfied. Right. Then I will praise. Like all of those things, and we see that in Leah's life. And even I think you were saying in your book as well, like you really made it. Like you're like, I'm on the road. This is happening. And then this moment of like, huh, okay, right? And I think that's yes. also – Relatable. Can you share a little bit about what that was like for you? Yeah, I think for me, being someone who can't see, I really loved the fact that music helped me connect with people. Uh, and I remember discovering that later on in high school um, when I started attending a, a um, large youth group and um, our, our youth leader would, would ask me to sing songs I had written. And so these kids that were usually awkward and really nervous around me, they heard their own stories in my songs because, you know, we were all teenagers. We all knew the stuff that was going on and the pain and, you know, felt very similarly about things. And so we connected through music and, um, I loved that connection with people. I loved using it to educate people, but also just, it felt great. So on one level, it was a place to share the gospel. On another level, it just fed my ego. And so when I went on the road, you know, my work as an artist, as a songwriter really began to define me. And um, instead of the love of Jesus defining me, I was really defined by the work and I was a relentless pursuer of work. It was kind of where I lived, what was, you know, the most important thing to me. And that, that eventually led to burnout. Um, because of course we should love our work, but when that becomes the most important love in our lives, then that certainly is a challenge and we're going to fail because it's going to eat us alive because there's nothing on this planet that is going to, um, you know, provide satisfaction for us perfectly. I mean, that's, that's only a role that God can feel, fill only a hole in our hearts that he can fill up. So, um, it was quite a challenging time. And until I, I kind of learned that if, if God could be um, my total inspiration, if from him, I could do my singing, if, um, if I looked at first, you know, what would be the way that I could worship him? How can I bring glory to him? So, I mean, sometimes what that meant was you don't take every opportunity because you need to be connecting with your friends and family and your community back home. You need to be committed to your church and your space. And so sometimes those were the decisions that I had to make. But when God was at the center, again, it just, it put everything into a different uh, focus, into a different perspective. Well, that's so good. Because I think that is, um, you know, what we were sharing earlier, but that idea of pursuing this dream that God has in your heart, it can feel like this arrival Mm -hmm. and it is easy to then say, okay, now we're running, especially if you get into a season of momentum and things are happening. Um, It is easy to get to that place of both burnout and then feeling disconnected Mm -hmm. from God. It's like, oh, I've just started pursuing the, the thing or the gift. And I 
I've seen that countless times in both my own life and lots of people around me. And so I think that's also, um, it's, I had this moment recently where things were going really well and I was like, God, like things, things are going well and I'm feeling good. And I had, it was almost like this internal uh oh moment where I was like, I need to make sure I don't throw away the daily habits and practices and things that keep me deeply rooted and grounded and mm. leaning on him Absolutely. instead of suddenly starting to compromise because like, oh, well, I can, I'm feeling so good. I can skip this, uh, you know, quiet connection time with him or whatever it might be. Right. And I think that's, it's actually pretty subtle. Um, those things that can even happen almost in our, our mountaintop moments. Um, I don't know if you've had that as well, where you're like, okay, this is got to get back to um, some of the basics. Absolutely. And I think what we have to wrestle with in that is who is God to us? Is he our, um, as I've heard it put before, is he our landlord? You know, and so we're kind of, you know, our employer kind of thing. So it's like, okay, if I do this, you know, is our relationship with him transactional? Kind of like I pay my rent or I do my job and then you give me what I ask for. And no, he is our heavenly father who loves us and knows us so perfectly and still loves us. And so with that in mind, then, yeah, it's like, we're not doing these things like spending time with him to earn his favor, uh, but to deepen our relationship, just like we would with any other dear friend or family member who we know and love. And so I think coming back to that always and saying, who is, who is God to me and how do I, you know, trust him? How do I um, embrace our, our, you know, experience of knowing each other. How would you say, um, because obviously the songs you wrote, um, for youth group are different than the songs you write today. How would you say that's kind of changed? Because I'm thinking, um, you know, as we go through these, these various things that God's maturing in us, we change. Mm -hmm. And so that the expression that changes, how has that changed for you? How is like, how has writing songs changed since then? Yeah, I'm just yeah. wondering, like going from that place of, you know, there's the teenage struggles yes. um, and the, th and the things we're learning in, in our early twenties versus, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's something that happens when we turn 40 and get to this place of like, okay, we kind of know a bit more about who we are, right. who God is. Right? right. And so how has that changed um, songwriting for you? Yeah, I think one of the things is over the course of time, I've, I've seen the power of music. So I don't want to waste words uh, on my feelings <laughs> always, but instead in words of hope and, and pointing people toward the hope that, um, that I feel like God wants to offer us. So that would mean that, you know, I, I want to still tell the story and say what's true, because I think you know, for all of us, there, there are certain challenges. And if I share some of mine, perhaps they're going to be relatable. Um, and other people will understand exactly, you know, the struggle. And so I think that's still important, but I think also just learning to speak of hope and to write in ways, write about hope in ways that, that people can kind of hold on to it and memorize it. And it can stick in their minds. I feel much more intentional about doing that now than I did say, you know, 20 years ago. So, um, that that's definitely probably the key is just thinking about, um, how I can encourage others in their faith journey and, you know, what it looks like to just in whatever we're facing, um, find the, the love of Jesus and the hope of God, um, and, and hold on to it tightly. So, 
Um, and and I, I try to write about that sometimes in very clear ways, like in worship songs, and then sometimes in more subtle ways, like uh, a song you and I were talking about earlier called Stand With Me, which is just about us uniting and, and coming together and learning to stand together. And I think, um, you know, sometimes that is, that is how it is with, with the Lord. There, there are times to, to talk about him, you know, by name. And then there are times when we think, how does he impact the way that we live in the world? You know, how does he impact the way that we think about people who might think differently from us? Um, so I think it's, it's important to, you know, kind of let his voice speak into all those different aspects of our lives. That's so good. I, um, I love, I love your music and I love your lyrics. And I think it's definitely um, really a, such a cool thing. Like it, people talk about how, you know, podcasting is this, it's this intimate thing because your words are in someone else's ears. Mm -hmm. And then I think that is multiplied so many times over as a songwriter, because really it's the lyrics that are in someone's ears, but also get they play in someone's spirit as well, right? Like it is that Absolutely. kind of, um, so I love that you were talking about that idea of intentionality and um, I'm quite intentional with the music we play um, around our house. Mm -hmm. And I love to hear my girls singing little bits of things um, as we kind of go throughout the day. There's been a song that I was thinking of as you were talking about the Psalms, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Brandon Lake. He wrote the song called Gratitude. Yeah. And he has this lyric in it that just says like, come on my soul. Like, don't you get shy on me. Mm. And um, it's, and, you know, it says, come on and praise the Lord. And that has been one um, as well, that lyric of that idea of like, come on, like you, you need to get up and praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's been such a powerful um, place for me where, um, like I, that's what I love about this, this book is that it is that call. It's like, come on, mm -hmm. come on and praise the Lord. And uh, we could sit here and unpack this for the next few hours. Just this idea of what does it look like to, um, like how, how do we change? How do we become transformed really through, um, through praise? Mm -hmm. And so um, you have um, this great quote that I'm just going to kind of wrap up our time with. It says, this book is about more than just warbling a song. It's about creating and practicing a mindset. One that I am convinced is the only way to walk through this life with joy in every circumstance. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Ginny, I think your music really has been such a gift to the world. And so is this book. Um, okay. I'm really excited for people to pick it up. Um, and, I would say even just to slowly, it, to me, it feels like a slow, a slow read in, in that it's something to savor mm. um, because you've written the words as beautifully as you've written song lyrics um, and that it's the way you have unpacked biblical stories as well. People can dive into these stories as well. And so um, I really love the way you've written it and that you even encourage us to begin to write um, our own songs to God as well. So, mm. well, thank um, you. Thank yeah. you so much for that, for those encouraging kind words. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, for being on Ready to Thrive. Is there anything else you would just say um, as one final question to the person who feels like I am in the darkness mm. and I don't really feel like singing right now? I don't really feel like praise. What would you say to that person? 
Yes, I would say I have been there. I know that feeling. And uh, the, the worst thing I could say to you would be, oh, well, just get over it because that's never how it works. But the beautiful thing, the most hopeful thing that we know when we know the Lord is that it is really in the darkness that he shows his light to us. It is really in that place that we have the greatest opportunity to meet him. Um, I remember a story from when I was in middle school, which is never fun for any of us. And uh, I remember going through just a particular amount of bullying and mean girls that just kind of wouldn't give up, you know, just were awful. And at the end of one of those days, my mom said to me, you know, Jenny, that Jesus is always your best friend, but there are going to be some days when it feels like he's your only friend and you can trust him because remember he has walked through the worst the deepest darkness for you because he loved you that much. So you can tell him everything. So, you know, sometimes when we're hopeless, we just need to come to him and tell him everything. We need to come and envision that, you know, even though I can't tell you why you're going through suffering, I can definitely tell you it isn't because God doesn't care because as we know, he absolutely does care. I mean, Jesus walked through the ultimate fire for us. So that has to give us hope that there is going to be purpose in what he allows and what he leads us through. We might not know that purpose, this side of heaven, but we can know his presence, this side of heaven. We can know his rest and we can sense him uh, walking with us. So I would just encourage people, you know, to cry out, to reach out, to be honest, don't hold back, pray honest prayers to him about what's going on. And then, and then to go to uh, the Bible, to go to his word and see what he says, you know, find a, a so a couple of my favorite uh, passages for meditation, for slow kind of savoring meditation, which I've done over, you know, sometimes a period of many months. Uh, one would be, um, one would be in Philippians four verses four through 13 you know, just sit with that passage and, and let it hang out with you and, you know, go through it verse by verse and pray through it and ask God what he wants to, sh to show you about himself and about you. And of course, you know, even, I mean, an infinite number of the Psalms, but I would say even just Psalm 23, which has so much beauty. I mean, David again, had gone through so much suffering and yet he himself says, the Lord is my shepherd. So what, what can we learn from that? What, what is there to, to speak to us? So I would say, you know, taking a passage, praying through it, continuing to pray through it, just show up and pray that same passage for six months if you need to. But um, I think those are the ways that we as we cry out to God and as we study what he said or, or read or meditate on what he said, that's how we move through the darkness with hope. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to, when, when this podcast comes out, I'm going to re-listen to everything you just said there. <laughs> that was so good. Uh, couldn't have said it better myself. Jenny, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. Where can people uh, find you, your music and your book? Well, JennyOwens.com, which is G-I-N-N-Y, uh, JennyOwens.com is where it all kind of lives. Um, my Facebook is Jenny Owens Music. Instagram is Jenny Owens Official. And Twitter is at Jenny Owens. Well, thank you so much. This was such a joy and so encouraging. And I trust this has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Can I just say thank you for listening? 
This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right, and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.